So before we kick off today's episode, I want to fill you in on a couple of things going on in my world that I'm really excited about, the first of which being Sherry's Walk of Hope. So if you're listening to this episode on the day of release or within the next six weeks from the day of release, I'm actually currently working away supporting Sherry's Walk of Hope. Now, Sherry Beck is a good friend of mine. She is a philanthropist, a coach, a speaker, and above all else, an advocate for epilepsy awareness. Now, I'm not going to tell too much of her story as she will be joining me in the coming weeks on the show, but uh, Sherry's daughter actually suffers from epilepsy. And in 2017, Sherry committed to walking from Adelaide to Alice Springs, which I believe off the top of my head is around 16 to 1700 kilometers Uh, a lot of isolated rural towns. And Sherry completed that in October of 2017 and then has decided that over the next six weeks, she is going to complete the next portion of the trip, which is walking from Alice Springs to Darwin, which is around 1,500 kilometres. Now, keep in mind that Uh, Alice Springs to Darwin, for anyone that hasn't driven through the Northern Territory or been through the Australian outback, um, the Stewart Highway is a notoriously dangerous highway. Uh, We have to think, you know, wildlife, brown snakes, water buffalo, which can be known to be aggressive. Uh, We're talking, you know, 50 plus metre long road trains barreling down the very same road that Sherry's walking along at you know, speeds of 130 kilometres in some cases. And I guess just in terms of notoriety for potential attacks, you know, there's a lot at stake for this walk. So I'm incredibly proud to be supporting Sherry Beck on behalf of the Live Free movement, providing her with some mindset coaching as she needs it along the way and also just helping out as a support driver um, and just helping Sherry with day-to-day things that she needs along her way. So that's one thing, and I, I I urge you, please do tune in to Sherry's Facebook page to keep up to date with their trips. We will be posting as we go um, and as we're able to, depending on phone reception, but please follow along. You can find her page on Facebook at Sherry's Walk of Hope and also on Instagram at Sherry.Beck. Now, note Sherry spelled S-H-E-R-R-I and Beck spelled B-E-C-K. The other thing that I'm really excited to share with you is the announcement of my latest venture, the Live Free Academy. So the Live Free Academy is essentially designed to equip young upcoming athletes, entrepreneurs, entertainers and personalities in giving them the tools uh, and knowledge required to basically go out and create a a life centred around their craft We will be having a wide variety of guest speakers and experts in their chosen niche to come in and talk all things contract negotiation, marketing, networking, mindset and performance, recovery, all those extra little bits and pieces needed to keep you uh, able to center your life around your love. We will be having a very first event on July 8th. 9th and 10th. So it's a three-day event. Uh, and if you want to pop your name down 
and receive a welcome pack, please do send your information through to hello at thelivefreeacademy.com.au. So now that we've got those details out of the way, on to today's episode. So I was lucky enough to time it well over the Easter long weekend that uh, I was heading down to Mitre 10 and stumbled upon the one and only V8 supercar driver Todd Hazelwood. Now, what I can say about Todd is that he's an extremely down-to-earth young lad, deeply, deeply passionate about his work, and I think that is is very, very clear as you listen to uh, my chat with him. And I think Todd is a perfect example of an athlete focused on total optimization in all aspects. As an athlete, as a business owner, as an individual, um, mentally, physically, uh, financially, you know, all aspects of being a human being. And I think that it is so important, uh, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a, a business owner, whether you're a uh, entrepreneur, a entertainer, uh, a mum, whatever it may be, to really use your passion and your drive towards your unique love and then use that to then expand outward, to allow that passion and that drive to then touch other corners of your life. Um, and I think Todd is the perfect example of this. Um, so you know what? I'm just going to let him. I'm just going to let Todd do the talking. So without further ado, episode 69 of the Live Free Experience podcast with the one and only Todd Hazelwood. Let's get this show on the road. All right, Todd Hazelwood, how are we? Very good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. So I've got to ask, uh, first of all, have you ever been in a car this powerful? No, no it's, uh, <laughs> it's impressive. It's very similar to my first car. So yeah, it brings back good memories. <laughs> for the listeners, I drive, what, four, I don't know, I don't know anything about car, four-cylinder uh, old bomb of a Toyota Seeker. So I'm, I'm going to guess you've Weapon been the same. Yeah. You've probably been the saying a little bit more impressive. Um, all right, let's start off. Um, V8 supercar driver of course. How'd you get started? Yeah, for me, it all started as a dream. Uh, I grew up in a family that was uh, slightly involved in motorsport. My dad come from a, a background in, in motor, or motorbikes, uh, racing and desert racing. So for them, it was always to have a, a young boy that would uh, go on to become the next Wayne Gardner being a MotoGP rider. But um, I think dad, dad and mum both realised that four wheels is a lot safer than two. And yeah, the dream all started from there and got my first go-kart when I was seven years old. And yeah, started my dream from there and, you know, very fortunate to be able to do what I was always setting out to do as a young kid and, yeah, racing in the Supercars Championship now and in my second year in it. So, yeah, very grateful for being able to do what I love. Beautiful. Did I get that right? You're now driving the V8s? Yeah, so it's right. Yeah, cool, yeah. cool. To be, if I'm completely honest, it's a sport. I love watching it, but I don't fully understand <laughs> it. I don't know a lot about There's a lot, lot going cars, on, so, so that's very fair enough. So I know that, like, it's, it's fairly common to start off in go-karting and then work your way up. What is the process to work your way up? Yeah, for most drivers that get to the elite part of the sport, they all start when they're young, they all get in go-karts, and essentially that's doing the apprenticeship, really. You start at a young age, you learn all the craft in karting, whether it be race craft, obviously understanding the basic mechanical aspects of, of, a, of a kart, and um, you, you use those skills all the way up into you know what I'm doing today. So whether it be tyre pressures, chassis setup, obviously trying to race hard and close together with people, and karting's great because it's very much a family sport where, you, you know, from my point of view, I had... The whole family go away on road trips and all around the country, you know, living out of a tent or living out of the trailer. And, yeah, it's a great time of life and, and certainly learnt heaps along the way, which is, you know, 
pivotal for what helped me achieve today. Mm. So you raced, um, am I right that you raced in the Adelaide 500 recently? Yeah, correct. Was that your first time? Uh, it was actually my uh, my second time in the Supercars Championship this year and um, yeah, it was a bit of a dream come true this year, getting inside the top 10 shootout, which is uh, a tough thing to achieve in our sport, you know, especially qualifying the game being so tightly together, you know, the, this, the whole field is separated by less than a, a second, so we're, we're only looking for... You know, the margins that we are looking for are very minimal and uh, yeah, to get in that was really special being a, a proud South Aussie myself and yeah, get to do that in front of the hometown was really special and uh, yeah, a moment I'll never forget. Beautiful. I've got uh, a question here. Let me just find where I've hidden it. Uh, someone specifically put this to me to ask you. How, okay, here we are. How do you maintain focus in the endurance races? Because uh, they're pretty long, aren't they? What are they? Summer a thousand? That's a thousand yeah, kilometres, so yeah. Bathurst is the longest race that we do for the year. So thousand kilometres, it's spread over two drivers. Um, so share the workload a little bit, but um, you know we're talking nearly two and a half hours at a time in the car. So you do a few stints in a race. So by the end of the race, you're absolutely knackered, mm. both physically and mentally. And it's a great question because you know in motorsport, a lot of people talk about the physical aspect, but for me, I really feel that the mental aspect mm. is the strongest part of what we do. And like anything, if you're the strongest, stronger minded person out there, that's what's going to give you the results and get, ultimately get you the best success. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's a tough thing to do because we don't really get any sort of breaks like AFL or cricket where you've got mm -hmm. an over or you've got you know ball up or anything or anything like that. It's you're just going at it a hundred percent. We get the odd safety car, but especially in our game now, they they're really they don't come across often. So you you know. You, any sort of mistake, you're in the wall, you lock a tyre and it costs you the race. So, yeah. yeah, the mental exertion is through the roof and it's really hard to put in context because although obviously we're focusing but also trying to cope with the heat mm. and that mentally fatigues you like, like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, so absolutely. when you got when you're racing at around 60 odd degrees in inside cabin, you lay it up, you've got essentially four layers worth of race gear on it. It's, um, it's hot work. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's rewarding when you get it right. I'm just laughing because we're sitting here in my car and I've just cracked the window open <laughs> going, shit, it's hot. And yeah, and then to think that that's what you're kind of doing for a sport, it's probably nothing in here. Yeah, no, it's, it's nice and, nice and cruisy. <laughs> Toasty. <laughs> so, like, in terms of, like, the physical discomfort, um, I mean, obviously, yeah, you're in there, the heat. Uh, as you've mentioned, you know, you lay it up. Um, I'm going to guess that the seats aren't the most luxuriously comfy seats ever. No. Like, how, how are you sort of managing that? Is it just something that you've kind of just got to tough it out or? 100%, yeah. yeah. And I th a lot of people often say, and I, I tr truly believe it's the same thing, whereas, you know, obviously it's hot in the car and, you know, round one here in Adelaide, it was 42 degrees mm. ambient pressure and oh, a ambient temperature and, you know, in the race car, it was around 65, 70 degrees. So yeah. being able to put up with that sort of heat, you know, two and a half hours at a time where you're, you know, it's a physically demanding circuit, mm. but the amount of fluid that you lose in that race is, is really tough. And that's where you obviously your preparation before the event comes into play. And um, yeah, it's a huge part of it. And, you know, it, it does take time to get used to. I still remember my f first supercar race and, and the heat, it just, you know, massive migraines and yeah, mm. the, and the recovery process afterwards was quite yeah. lengthy because you're just not used to it. So it's yeah. something that you really have to try and condition yourself for, whether it be training in saunas, you know, for myself, I train in a, in a gym upstairs and in a tin shed where it's stinking hot, you're sweating like buggery and you've got a couple layers of clothes on to try and somehow replicate what you're trying to do on the race car yeah so what is like your preparation like i mean i assume you're doing strength and conditioning stuff in the background and or you know in preparation and uh you know recovery nutrition all of that kind of stuff can you give me kind of like an overview yeah look it's everyone's different and for me i, I like to mix up my training as much as i can i still 
very particular what I do in the gym, obviously from a strength and recovery point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of explosive um, power, power workouts, I suppose, and um, obviously trying to then combine it with mental strategies as well. So mm-hmm. trying to use the brain while training. Yeah. And for me, I, I personally like to train alone. I always feel yep. if you can push yourself harder and get the most out of yourself, that's what's going to make you mentally strong when you're mm-hmm. in a racing situation because at the end of the day, you haven't got a teammate to slap you on the back and say, hey, buddy, yeah. keep it up. Or, yep. you know, it's just up to you. And, you know, obviously I work with the team and engineers away from the track, but when you're out on track and yeah, you're in the heat of the battle, you. that's where you need to be mentally strong. And that's what kind of getting back to that comment before, you know, strongest will mm. prevail on, on race day. And, yeah, training alone and, and pushing yourself in the hot conditions and and trying to, you know, like anything, if you, the more you push yourself, the more you get out of it. And, um, yeah, it's rewarding when you get it right. But, um, yeah, I suppose from an overview of what it all looks like, um, you know, once the, the year's up and running, you're looking around two to three days in the gym um, and then try and combine as much of that with cardio workouts as much as you can. So I love running. So a lot of running, a lot of sprinting, a lot of hill, um, hill sprints and, and, mm-hmm. and um, staircases. So And trying to combine that in with a lot of swimming as well. So obviously it's good for, good for recovery, good for the mind, good to switch off and get away from it yeah. a little bit as well. So, yeah, I like to mix it up and do whatever I can and, um, yeah, obviously try and help the body. Yeah. Wherever wherever possible. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously something like supercars, it's a pretty damn expensive sport, I would assume. Yes. How do you go funding that? Yeah, it's, a, it's the, the million-dollar question um, of how <laughs> the hell do you make it happen. And, you know, it's funny. I remember when I was in go-karts, you're looking at, you know, obviously the sport from an outside point of view. You could I could never imagine myself being there just knowing how much money was involved and, and how the hell you can actually physically find that sort of funding to make it all happen. And... It's amazing if you if you have a dream and don't lose sight of it, what you can achieve. And you know, for us as a family, we we certainly realised the challenge. You know, was going to be pretty steep. You know, I don't come from a financially well-off family where dad could just you know have a business to yeah. offset costs or have contacts. You know, it was um, you know essentially all the odds weren't going in our favour. So we had to get creative. You know, when it really all started when we started getting out of go karts, trying to make that transition into circuit mm-hmm. racing being Formula Ford in 2012 and then Formula 3, which is a you know two premier open wheel categories here in the country, and then ultimately trying to make that, that transition into supercars. And the first step was what they call the Super 2 Series, so it's the feeder category under the Supercars Championship, where you race seven times a year compared to 14. But essentially, it's the same race car. They're still very expensive to run, and you're looking around half a million dollars to, to fund it in a season. So, How you know, long is the season? So that was seven rounds over 12 months. So... Um, you know, it's a lot of money, and, and for me, I was I was fresh out of school. I was, you know, 17 years old, and just mm. signed a contract. We're essentially having to find that sort of money, and yeah, at first it was tough because we we didn't have enough sponsorship to make it happen. But we had a prime opportunity of a team that I mm. felt I could get results in, and fortunately, I had the the support of mum and dad, where they believed in what I could do, and I was putting every ounce of energy and time into yeah. trying to make the dream become true, and. We kind of took a, well, for us, we took a massive risk. We actually mortgaged the house. Um, we, wow. we had debt, debts left, right and centre and we were, we were fundraising and I was door knocking on, on business doors every day after school trying to find money somehow, hoping that we could wow. we could stitch it together. And um, I still remember we did our first race in the Super, Super 2 Championship in 2014 and the first race meeting was actually here in Adelaide at the Adelaide 500 mm-hmm. and um, we actually didn't have the loan approved from the house but here we are racing in Adelaide anyway. So there was a lot of risks involved. Um, yeah. Fortunately, looking back, we were able to yep. get up and running. We got some really good results initially straight out of the gate which then 
help show, I suppose show to people that there was potential there and we had mm-hmm. some people come on board and then started sponsoring me and yeah and it went on from there but uh, even then it was still setback after setback we had people that committed to us as a major sponsor then pulled out in the death of us so then we went into the second year knowing that we were kind of in a similar position again when we didn't have money and we we're back to square one again and yeah it's yeah. a lot of fundraising a lot of door knocking you know hours spent on the phone and emails just trying to Stitch deal to, deals together last minute and, you know, f- for probably three years there we went round by round basis just trying to hope that we could make it to the grid. So it's um, both obviously challenging away from the racetrack and almost getting to the race meetings mm. was like almost a relief more than anything. So it's uh, it's all part of the game yeah. and um, I just had to keep, you know, t- telling myself that it was going to happen and, you know, putting every ounce of energy into making sure we could achieve it. It was, you know, many times where you could easily throw the hands up in the air, say stuff up and it's going to go out and be a plumber. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just stuck to our guns. You know, fortunately I had a really supportive family that, although they didn't have the money, but I had the support to help Mm. me, you know, get through those tough times. Yeah. I think that's a a common misconception that athletes who have made it are either like born into wealth or, yeah, you know, that they they just have some sort of huge financial backing when in actual fact the more I do meet with different athletes from all different sports the more I realise it's actually much more common that 100%. they've had to slog it out and kind of, I guess, get creative, get resourceful and find these different, you know, alternative ways to bring this money in. Yeah, um, and, and I think that from what I've seen over the years, it's that cream will always rise to the top as long oh, as you yeah, put yeah, the time yeah. and energy in. And I think that's, you know, you hit the nail on the head. There's so many people out there that do have, you know, especially in our sport, we see it a lot where you have kids that are either financially well off or they've got parents that can support them really well, but it's a, it's only a boost. It, it yeah. can only ever get you so far. And I think if you can push through those tough times and even when you know you haven't got the best equipment, you've got old tires and all those sort of things, if you can just push through those tough times, mm. eventually, you know, obviously you've got to, you're still got to put results on the table at the end of the day, but yeah. um, if you can get through those tough times, when you do get to the top, you've done it the hard way, you've had to work mm. for it, and I think uh, that's the difference between the guys that yeah. you know, get it easy yeah. and the guys that really have to work for it because when, when it comes to really crunch time at the pinnacle of our sport, that's mm. when you see the good guys always rise to the top. Yeah. Well, I think even like having to slog it out, get resourceful, get creative, kind of in a strange way kind of mentally sets you up for the, the tough times in the race itself yeah. because you have to you have to draw, draw on those parts of yourself that you are maybe otherwise unaware of where, you know, you're capable to remain committed or disciplined when the chips are down Mm. so that then when those you know circumstances arise in in the sport itself where maybe the chips are down you can stick with it you know yeah you've kind kind of been sharpened by the grindstone so to speak rather than uh, just getting the easy way in yeah and and for me personally like i had a lot of setbacks when i was still in school you know young very you know very much naive to the world of motorsport and not probably understanding how much of a business it was and yeah. you know, there's a lot yep. of sharks out there because when there's money there's people that want that money so there was you know it was probably fortunate for me to have a lot of setbacks when I was young to make me very aware of mm. how the industry works and what to look out for and you know certainly uh you know want to get to this pointy end of the field now knowing you know mm. all the things to look out for and, and be mindful of and that's what's helped us I think get this far even yeah. though you know there's probably been a few things going against us over the years so yeah so as an athlete then, I mean, obviously we've, we've talked about your strength and conditioning, we've talked about, you know, sort of the recovery side of things and obviously the sport itself. 
that stuff aside, are you putting time into like, or have you previously put time into studying business structures and finances and networking and all those other sort of nitty gritty stuff? For me, I've never actually done any particular study um, apart from light mechanical, to be honest. And yep. uh, so I never actually finished my apprenticeship because then I started doing more work with sponsorships. So, yeah. Um, and the best thing about motorsport I've found is that there's so many key attributes to be successful in that game, and, and you hit the nail on the head with it be marketing, sponsorship, mm. obviously public speaking. You know, t- trying to present to, to key personnel within a within a business, all those sorts of things. So you learn a lot as a person mm. and. Over the years, you, you actually start to acquire a lot of skill sets, and yeah, um, yeah. You know, for me, I think that's what's been really cool about what I've been able to do. You know, I've learned you know how to use, you know, make my own proposals, do my own meetings in front of key businessmen, and, and you almost become a business owner yourself. Yeah. And that's, I think, been the best thing for me is that uh, I've tra- essentially treated my career like a business, and I yes. think that's what's helped me get this far yep. um, to where I am today. And obviously, it's even more pivotal now where you got to obviously have a social presence, whether it be social media, you got to have yep. a professional website, and all these things do cost money to do it well. So trying to find out, well, how can I do it myself? But obviously, having a a high end. You know, yeah. products so that's when you start to learn how to use all you know photoshop illustrator you know all those mm. sort of other things as well and yeah it's, it's been a great journey and it's good to learn all that sort of stuff because i think if i didn't have a job in motorsport i could you know hopefully you know maybe have a career elsewhere from from my learnings over the years yeah that and actually that's perfect what you've just touched on there because uh I see it sadly all too often where you've got a highly, highly talented athlete in whatever sport it may be and they get a injury that has them, for whatever reason, forced to retire yeah. um, and they've got nothing to fall back on. Yeah, and, and, it, and it, it, it can happen. It can happen yeah. to the best of people and I still remember I, I met my idol, Dick Johnson, uh, up in Queensland once. I was only seven years old and he just patted me on the Sorry to spit on you there. Yeah. He um yeah he patted me on the back and he said, "Son, there's no uh, dumb race car drivers out there, so make sure you do your time in school." And that's awesome. at the time you think, "Oh, what school?" You know, because who cares <laughs> yeah, about school yeah. when you're seven years old? But you know, looking back on it now, it's so true because you you do see so many people that yes, they can race or they can play. Mm. They're very good at what they do, but they've got nothing else going for yep, them. And it's yep. very important to have essentially all the tools in the toolbox ready to go because you, mm. you just never know what life can throw at you and you got to mm. be prepared for it. Well, even like, I mean, I come across often like athletes who, um, again, incredibly, incredibly talented at their sport, but they've from an early age poured everything into the pursuit of being the best in their sport. That simple things like social skills are lacking because they've never really had to meet anyone outside of that sport itself. And mm. so to, you know, to, to talk to someone who may not necessarily be directly in that world is this big overwhelming challenge for them. But it's the very thing you sort of need to be able to do well as an athlete because, I mean, you said it yourself, you're essentially a business as an athlete. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So can I ask, um, you, you, you drive a Holden? Yep. yep, I've got that right. Yep, correct. <laughs> what do you drive? Like, what's your personal vehicle? Holden or? Yeah, well, uh, well fortunately, Ford, we, we, um, <laughs> I'm actually a Ford man at heart, believe it or not. Oh, okay. But um, <laughs> So I actually did have a Ford Ranger, um, which is just the work cube um, at Matt Stone Racing. But um, we've actually recently got support from, from Holden themselves. Oh, and cool. they supplied me with a new Holden Equinox, which is uh, quite a sporty little SUV. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, good to go away in and, and have the odd weekend off and yeah. you know, have the diverse, you know, obviously, you know, put a, put a swag in the back and yeah. go camping and things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And, um, 
yeah, gets me from A to B. Yeah, perfect. So actually, you, you said there about going away and whatever else. I've got the impression just from our brief chat yesterday that you're you're obviously a big time traveller. How do you manage life around that? Um, yeah. Because I, I get asked <laughs> this all the time in my work, and I'm going to assume that I travel a whole lot less than you. Um, so how, how do you juggle it? Yeah, it's pretty full on, and um, it's something that I probably wasn't prepared for starting last year where... You know, it was my first year in a supercars championship. It's It was 16 events mm-hmm. and a couple of test days. So, you know, essentially it's probably 18 weeks that you're on the road, you know, and then all the promotional work that goes around with it. And, you know, the the, the events themselves are full on. You, know, you get you get home from a race weekend and you're just absolutely knackered, but you've got to get back into it because mm-hmm. you're racing the next week or the yeah. following week after that. So it's a pretty aggressive championship. Um, yeah, it's a lot of time away from home. Mm-hmm. And last year, you know, for me, and especially over the years, I've always been, you know, the harder you work, the more the more success you get. But, um, you know, when I was racing the Super 2 Championship, we had a lot of good results and you could, you know, you put the work in and you get the reward and it's very good. But then last year, we probably had the complete opposite to 2017 where it was setback after setback. Yeah. Every race meeting, there was just no progress and it was quite demoralizing as an athlete. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when you're putting the work, the hours in at work and, you know, we're you know, not just doing a nine to five day job, you're up, you're up early, you're doing your gym work, you're at work mm. and most nights you're not getting home from the workshop at eight, nine o'clock sort of thing and that's an early night. Mm. So um, they're, they're big hours and it's straining on the body and essentially you get to the race meetings just burnt out. Yep. And that was something that probably crept up on me last year and I probably didn't handle it well enough. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of drivers said, mate, you just need to have some Todd time and didn't really appreciate it first, but um, yeah, ended up taking a week off once and... It was like, uh, you know, it was like the best thing in the, in the world. You couldn't couldn't believe how refreshed I come mm. back. So that's something I've put a bit more emphasis yeah. into this season. Is obviously as an athlete, you got to work hard, you got to push yourself, but at the same time, you do mm. you do need to remove yourself because, yep. you know, you got to you got to have a life at the end of the day. It's um, yeah, something that you know over the years you don't you, you take for granted, but um, yeah, you got to have that balanced lifestyle so I think get the most out of yourself as an athlete yeah I'm finding for me like I'm I'm definitely I mean I absolutely love what I do and I would do it for free 100% but uh yeah it's definitely you know you're, you're slogging it out and then it's amazed me how many times it just immediately you know catches up on you mm. um and suddenly you've gone from you know doing okay to like shit I've got just nothing left you know yeah. and um unfortunately for, for me anyway my experience has been I generally schedule everything in so closely that when that burnout hits it's like well I've still got another week of having to try and slog it out to get it done and you're performing less than your best so yeah and I mean obviously as an athlete it's a little bit different for me but as an athlete it shows when you're not um, yeah, 100%. yeah, you're not at your best. What about like health-wise? I mean, obviously taking into consideration like flights and that, um, you know, with the recycled air up there, the potential for getting sick, sick. and all that yeah. sort of thing, and just, I mean, obviously, um, do you do a lot of overseas travelling? Uh, no, no. Uh, we only have the one race meeting in New yep. Zealand. Yep. So, yeah, fortunately for us, obviously, it's, it it's it very easier. a lot of our events are actually quite regional yep. throughout Australia. Yeah, so, yeah, so, it's a lot of time in the plane, plus then travel on the road once we get there. So. It's uh, it's always a big week. Oh. You got to be prepared for it, and um, you know, as you said, you're going from different time zones, different climates. You know, we go mm. from being in Brisbane or being in Townsville, then we go to Winston and Victoria, where it's you know 10, 12 yeah. degrees. So, and that's all within a week apart. So it's you know it does play tricks on the body. Yep. Um, as stupid as it may all seem, but um, yeah, it's very easy to get sick, and then once you're yeah. sick, as you said, you know, when you're working hard and putting a lot of strain on the body, you got to make sure you get a lot a lot of sleep to help the body recover. 
-hmm. and um, yeah, making sure that uh, you know if there is any sort of symptoms that you straight away wrap yourself up in in bubble wrap and do whatever you can you know yeah. to prevent the the sickness. And you got to get on top of it early because uh, yeah, these things can creep up on you, and when you don't get sick often, it can it can hit you for six pretty hard. So, and in our sport, you know, especially on, on week or two before a race meeting we can't take any mm. any decent um codrill tablets or anything if you do have a decent flu so we've got the that element that we're going to manage as well so if you're sick you, you know, on a race weekend it's a it's a pretty tough slog yeah so for you as an athlete like do you have and I, I mean obviously i know you've got your team behind you but how much kind of delegation is there going on you know is is, is there a lot of um I guess, uh, responsibility on you or are you very mindful of making sure that you kind of can focus on just the key things and you've got a team to back you up with the other stuff or? Yeah, definitely. You know, I've got a really amazing group of team. We're only a very small team um, compared to some of the others out there, but um, I've got great con continuity of the people I've been working with now. I've been with them for a number of years, which makes a massive difference, especially when essentially they're your family. Mm. That's, that's, yeah. I spend 95% of my time with the race team at work. So um, a yeah, great group of people and they know what I'm good at. I know what they're good at. And yeah. we, we look after our own things. And, you know, definitely for me this year, I've been delegating probably a little bit more than what mm. I used to, but just trying to put more emphasis on Todd being the racing car driver rather than Todd being, the guy that puts stickers on the car and helps <laughs> yeah. to pack the truck and things like that. So just trying to manage my time better yeah. because especially now that kind of what I said before, you know, I wasn't prepared for those 16 events. I thought, well, how can I get, you know, as stupid as it seems, how can I find two hours in my day to try and yep. give myself a bit more me time, making sure I go to the gym in the morning and not losing that consistency yeah. and structure in my life because I feel I'm a very structured person. I like to be organized and I like yep. to have everything written down and be able to get to the end of the day and cross it all off the list. So yeah, that certainly makes a big difference. Mm. So let me ask you then, because I mean, I'm a big believer in in that process of sort of, uh, you've got, I, I guess for me, I look at it as, you know, with my business, I've got, I know what I've got to get done. Um, I know kind of what my key priorities are. And then from there, over time, I start to figure out, okay, well, what, what are the things I can delegate? What can I get someone else to do? As you said, how can I free up that extra hour for, for this thing or to be able to, you know, I, I think of it as like subtracting in order to add so what's the process for you in, um, I, I know for me, I guess it can be overwhelming of like, well, fuck, I feel like I have so much to get done. And then to, on top of that, find someone to delegate it to as an additional to do. Do you kind of have a way that you get around that? Yeah. Or is your experience, your experience may be completely different? Yeah, look, it, it's, it's something that you keep learning and try to improve because as you said, you know, there's only so many hours in a day and when you've got so many jobs going on, it, it can yeah. be compounding and... I've always been really bad for delegating. That's something I've, I'm still trying to improve on because yeah. I like being in control of my own destiny. I like, you know, I know those you, some, sometimes <laughs> you, you're always happy with your own work and then you rely on other people and they let you down. So you go, oh, I'll just do it myself, you know, yeah. and you can get stuck in your ways. So it, it, you got to make sure, I think the biggest thing is surrounding yourself with the right people. So yep. then when you do delegate, you know the job's going to get done yeah. properly. Yep. And that makes a massive difference. So, yeah. And like anything in life, you surround yourself with the right people you, and, and successful people, you'll become successful, successful yourself. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's a, a huge part of it. Yeah. I think uh, if I can just add on from what you've said there as well, it's it's really important. As you said, surround yourself with the right people, but recognize their strengths. Yeah. You know, I know for me, I'm the big picture thinker in my business, whereas uh, I'm lucky enough that uh, I've managed to find some people who are very, very small detail focused. And so I can kind of give them this big picture overview where I totally get overwhelmed by the smaller stuff, whereas they're able to just, you know, pop, 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 
lay it all out, here you go, yep. you know? So, yeah, it's about, I guess, finding the people who can do the job even better than you can. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's what uh, helps us all move forward. Beautiful. So, moving forward then, what's uh, what's the vision? Where are you heading now? Yeah, for me now, um, you know, as far as the pinnacle of Australian motorsports concerned, being a supercars championship, that's where I want to be. Um, and, and, you know, feel fortunate to do that. But we're still, you know, for me, it's my second year in. I'm still classified as a rookie. I'm equal youngest in the, in the categories. So still got a lot to learn and, and, and still got to do essentially my apprenticeship in the game now to show that I'm worthy. And, you know, fortunately this year we've been able to get some really good results and, and starting to show some consistency, which is a key thing for me to show to some of the bigger teams of what I can do and what potential is there. So... You know, hopefully in the future there's an opportunity with a with a bigger team that we can I can potentially step up into and, and get some you know great results and and um, you know hopefully become a household name in years to come. Yeah, actually that was something I wanted wanted to ask you because um, I I mean obviously I kind of bombarded you. You're here uh, on the barbecue cooking snags and white ten and uh, yeah I bombarded you for the podcast. Do you get recognised a lot? Because I mean I feel like the sports. Fairly mainstream. Yeah, it, it's certainly becoming more common now, um, and and sometimes it catches you off guard completely. Like I was, uh, I was in a singlet and shorts. I just we'd been mowing the lawn, and I quickly went down to Bunnings the other day, and some guy pulled me over and got a photo of all of his kids and this <laughs> and that. And you kind of think, oh, you know, like, am I really that kind of guy? Like, you, you don't put yourself in that bracket, and um, yeah, it, it is quite overwhelming when it happens. But um, it's actually funny at the race meetings. You know, sometimes I play a game where you know people. You know, they look at you funny and then they look back and you think, oh, he's not old enough to be racing. You know, he looks 12, you know. So it's <laughs> it's quite funny how even when you're even at the race meeting where, you know, they, these guys are all watching us go round and round all day. But when you take the helmet off that, I got sometimes yeah. I don't know who you are. So, well, that's true, actually. And it's a big separation of our sport where, you know, we spend so much time in the race car and, you know, it's where 90% of the TV time's dedicated to but definitely this year getting a lot of um uh, you know a lot of interviews up post-race which helps yeah. obviously with the face recognition and yeah and creates i suppose that that yeah. that face branding that's yeah. uh, is quite important in our game yeah yeah, yeah i guess uh, i mean I, I didn't really consider that the fact you got the helmet on and you're in the car yeah. so uh yeah people know the name but not necessarily the face yeah, yeah. often get the, the good head for a helmet as, uh, <laughs> as they say so i love it awesome um cool is there a message behind uh behind what you do for me, yeah, I, I, I firmly believe you just got to dream big and, and chase your dreams. You know, there's no, nothing better than doing what you love, what you love in life. And I think, you know, particularly here in Australia, and and the opportunities that are available, there's no reason, you know, wh why you can't do that. And there's there's a lot of stories over the years where you hear people that say it's too tough and too hard. But I think if you can, yeah, get mm. through the tough times and and just tough it out, mm. um, yeah, there's no reason you can't do what you want to do. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big believer that uh. It's kind of the tough times that make the journey so much fun. You know, if you knew if you knew you were fully capable of everything that you wanted to do, it kind of takes the fun out of it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You just go out there and do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's the slog that actually makes it so enjoyable. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Okay, do you have um, anything that, for, for anyone that might be listening, young, old, or otherwise, uh, who kind of has a dream that they want to go after, do you have a message for them? Yeah, I think definitely hard, hard work is going to be a key attribute. And hard work is what's going to help you learn and learn more about yourself as well. You know, never, I think it's important to always look back and what you, and how far you've come, you know, or, and always setting small goals along the way because it's quite easy to get overwhelmed by what you're trying to achieve and where you're trying to get um, and looking too far ahead. Mm. So I think sometimes, you know, you, you got to have smaller goals and, mm. and use those little wins to keep you going, especially when times are tough. But, um, 
and yeah, hundred percent. And and then just ultimately looking back on how far you've gone to help keep pushing yourself more and more, and and ultimately get closer to that goal. Yeah, I'm getting the vibes. You're a goal setter. Yeah. 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 yeah lo- lo- love a good goal. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Beautiful. Um, social media. Where can all the listeners find you if they haven't already jumped on the bandwagon? Yeah, I'm all all over it. So um, if you type in Todd Azewood Racing on Facebook or Todd Azewood on Instagram or Twitter. All over that. I'm um, trying to get more video content on YouTube as well. And, and if you want to check out more, head to toddazewood.com. Beautiful. Um, anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? Uh, no, all good. And um, yeah, just yeah, thanks for having me on the show. And Pleasure. really appreciate your time. Cool. Thank you. No worries. So once again, for those of you who are interested in getting a little bit more information about the upcoming Foundation Stones event, the very first the Live Free Academy event coming up on July 8th, 9th and 10th, Please contact us at hello at thelivefreeacademy.com.au. Once again, that's hello at thelivefreeacademy.com.au and we will send out our welcome pack. You can also check out what we're all about on social media by searching the Live Free Academy on both Instagram and Facebook and also checking out our website at www.thelivefreeacademy.com.au. Uh, As always, if you want to check out a little bit more about my mindset coaching and performance coaching uh, programs, you can head to the Live Free Movement on both Facebook and Instagram. And as always, if you want to follow along on my personal journey and get to know who Brianna Bowley is, you can find me on facebook.com forward slash Brianna Bowley coach and on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash Brianna Bowley. And until next time, what else is possible?